This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend and partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. And uh, Pipe, we have a lot to discuss today after the uh, the conference championships in the NFL and all of the the controversy therein. But I want to talk about a non controversial thing, and that is Ligaris Roasters Coffee. So, uh, after many many days and hours of just kind of high level um, boardroom stuff uh, here at Happy Rant Corporate and at Ligaris Corporate, we have settled on uh, a special promotion. Uh, this is a special promotion for Union University students. Um, in which when they sign out, students, faculty, and staff enter Union 15 at checkout, um, and you will receive 15% off your next purchase of Ligaris Roasters Coffee. Um, the best so coffee is, you is will this ever like taste. A, is this like an honor system thing? So since we have listeners who are not Union people, are we asking them not to use this? Or is this like just a Dude, big thumbs up to Union either way? That's the thing. That's the magic of it, Piper, is that we're not going to know necessarily um, if somebody is or isn't a union student and here's, here's the headspace that I'm in is that for this promotion, for the life of this promotion, everybody's a union student. So you're consider yourself an honorary union journalism student. Um, in my program, I would like you to be more than honorary. I'll just put that out there. Um, men, women, children, even if you're not of college age, uh, come to union, study with me in the journalism program and, uh, and he drink promises lots of to only give A's and A minuses. Well, of course. I mean, that's that's just college standard nowadays. So I, w- I would never give anything but an A or an A minus. Um, you're all fabulous. Everybody does equally fabulous work. Um, so yeah, Ligaris Roasters <coughs> Coffee, LigarisRoasters.com, 15% off, Union 15 at checkouts, and uh, enjoy the best coffee you have ever tasted. But uh, can, can I give can I give uh, just a, a personal testimonial to Lagar's roast? Dude, please. So yes, that would be great. Two things. Yeah. First of all, I got a tweet sent at me from uh, a listener who is married to somebody we regularly uh, poke fun at on this on this, <laughs> whose name may or may not sound a lot like Jared C. Wilson, whose name may or may not start with an at symbol. That's right. Yes. And as Christian Jared name. So yeah. Jared's wife tweeted at me and said that she was brewing her first ever pot of Ligaris Roasters coffee. She hadn't tried it. So she said she expected it to be life changing based on our promos. Mm. And, um, you know, and she was going to hold me personally responsible if it was not when I, I wow. have, I was not the least bit nervous. I had complete faith in the work that Hector does. And so, you know, I tweeted back at her like 10 minutes later and I was like, okay, so how did it go? And she basically said, this tastes just like the coffee that Jared used to bring back from Costa Rica when he would go there and do mission stuff. And he would bring back like wow. fresh from from the coffee plantation coffee. Dude, right. Right so off the plantation. That's one testimonial. Here's my other one is that I'm drinking Ligaris Roasters coffee right now, but it is not the Happy Rant blend. It's one of the other podcast blends they have, and I won't say which one. Okay. The Happy Rant Blend is better. This is excellent coffee I'm drinking. I'm sure thoroughly satisfied. However, the Happy Rant Blend is is better than this. So yeah. that's I, I, uh, I'm just gonna so we we've got fantastic coffee and then we've got our blend being better than fantastic coffee. That's really the wheelhouse we want to be in. I mean it, it's it's one thing 
I mean, when when my head hits the pillow at night, Piper, I, I I fall asleep reflecting on the fact that I'm a coffee mogul. But you know what? Call me greedy. I want my coffee to to be yet better than everyone else's coffee. It's not enough just to be in this business. Um, we we need to be the best in the business. Yeah, why, which why is, even play the game if you're not striving to be the best, dude? That's right. Which is why in two to three years, um, we are going to put Starbucks out of business. So Starbucks, if you're listening, we're coming for you. Okay, um, Hector, Piper, myself, we are, we are coming for you. Um, so there it yeah. is. Hector Lagares, the new Howard Schultz. And honestly, isn't that the way <laughs> things ought to go? It really is. Dude, it, Heck would he would handle things so much better. I mean, you got to meet Hector Lagares, Pipe. He's a he's in addition to being like the world's preeminent coffee roaster. He's probably the nicest guy I've ever met. Uh, everyone everywhere loves Hector Lagares. I mean, in this town, you can't go anywhere with somebody saying without somebody like singing the praises of one Hector Lagares. So and he's uh, like a man of many businesses too, isn't he? A realtor yeah. as well. Like he he does coffee. He's a realtor. He's yeah. I mean, the man is just sort of a serially successful doer of things. He is. He wears many hats, and uh, I'm I for one, I'm proud to know Hector Lagares. Uh, so Heck is Heck is destined to be a celebrity pipe and. My my first topic today, I want to talk about celebrities, and I want to talk specifically about one celebrity response to uh, some of the bad officiating that took place this last weekend in the uh, wait. In the NFL. bad officiating? I didn't hear about this. That's the rumor. I know huh. it. I know it. It's it's just huh. one of those things that's kind that's, of flown under the radar. Like I, you're so color, color me skeptical. I, I'm not <laughs> exactly. I don't think that happens at the NFL level. Well, here's what happens. I mean, you're so wrapped up in just enjoying the game for the game itself. That you barely recognize that the that the referees are a part of it, but from time to time, they do make themselves the show. Uh, the referees will make themselves the storyline, and that is in fact exactly what happens uh, this past weekend to Football Piper, and and most egregiously um, in New Orleans, where the Saints were um, a- about to make their date with destiny. Drew Brees at age um, seventy four was was ready to go back to to win another Super Bowl, and uh, lo and behold. Um, there was an egregious no call on a pass interference that uh, I think anyone who's ever watched um, a down of football would agree that that was pass interference. But that's not what primarily I'm here to talk about this morning. So um, a, a fun thing is happening in in my age bracket, Piper, in which um, like during sports things, I'll banter with like my college buddies, but apparently like. Uh, occasionally the sons of my college buddies will weigh in on like a group chat. Um, so like my teenage son, my, my friend Corey's teenage son and, and being that they're high school boys, they're trying to like out clever each other. Um, so the, the text banter can get really I'm good. Crin- I'm cringing already. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, um, one of the things that my, my, my buddy Corey's son, Jackson along was a letter, um, a very earnest letter from one Harry Connick jr. Um, Mr. I love Harry I do He's, too, man. He was the first jazz musician I ever really loved. What, yeah. Like his his album Eleven. So I, yeah. I go back. I go way back with. I go way Harry. back with that album too. Absolutely. And 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 incidentally, Piper. Nobody wears a t shirt like Harry Connick Jr. Have you noticed this? Like he's he's one of the few men who can be photographed in like jeans and a t-shirt and you're like oh my gosh that guy's he's really pulling that off um and his look has sort of remained consistent through the decades because Connick has been around he's been around since the 90s 
And he is a he is an er he released his first album at the age of eleven. So yeah, he's Mm -hmm. and and he's he's acted, he has written, he's performed, he's I mean he's just sort of he's He's just sort of a an every he's like a the jack of all trades, master of all. He's an all purpose celebrity, um, especially in the New Orleans area, and apparently um he wields a lot of influence in the commissioner's office um at, at the nfl level in so, his own mind in his own mind so piper one of my one of my favorite things is like ridiculous celebrity uh, celebrities weighing in on ridiculous things as though they have influence and i i just think what happens when you're harry connick jr or any celebrity of a certain magnitude you just get the sense that like the world is is waiting to hear my response to whether or not that was pass interference and um so basically so, what you're saying is that like celebrities are celebrities are to pop culture what the gospel coalition is to church everybody is oh, just absolutely. waiting to hear their response yes that okay. is, that is the perfect one to one analogy that's so good um so conic th- th- this is what i love after the the NFC championship game last weekend he had a moment where where he sat down no doubt in his like richly appointed New Orleans loft, you know, looking out over uh, Bourbon Street, you know, just beautiful, beautifully appointed place. He sits down, hunched over his phone and bangs out a letter on Twitter to Roger Goodell. Um, and I want to read it to you. I want to I want to read you this letter on the air and I want to get your your input on what he said, but also just this whole like celebrity influence thing in general. So here, here we go. Dear Commissioner Goodell, please know that I would have written this letter regardless of which teams were playing in the NFC Championship. So, so Connick was ready. He was ready with a letter to Roger Goodell either way. Um, I don't know if they're pen pals, if they correspond. Uh, I don't know what the relationship is there, but uh, here we go. I love the game of football so much. The NFL gives me such great joy and has for many years. To not call the pass interference slash helmet-to-helmet penalties at the end of the game was one of the most disgraceful no-calls I have ever seen. The officiating this year has been, for the most part, mediocre in my opinion. But for a game as important as the NFC Championship, it sickens me. Sickens to know that the people who are assigned to fairly officiate the game seemingly had no regard for not only a dangerous penalty, but one that could have certainly changed the outcome of the game. Until changes are made, specifically booth review of outcome-altering no-calls, you can count me out. I'm not watching the AFC Championship game, and I won't be watching the Super Bowl. Thank you for the time to read my letter. Sincerely, Harry Connick Jr. Well, um... That that's the shot the shot heard around the world, Piper. I mean, when when Harry Connick Jr., star of the Memphis Bell and Hope Floats, reaches out to the commissioner's office, uh, the commissioner, no doubt, is listening. I wonder I wonder what the response was, Piper. Uh, I I suspect Roger Goodell couldn't hear it through all the dollar bills stuffed in his ears. So <laughs> exactly, I, he, I'm, I'm sure he was. I'm sure, yeah. sure it didn't phase him at all. He's like, um, wait, I'm I'm watching Hope Floats on Epics. I have to turn it down. Sorry, I was I was blowing my nose into a wad of hundreds. I, <laughs> exactly. I couldn't hear you. Exactly. Um, well, see the so first of all, I would just like to say thank you to to the genre of the open letter. Where would we be yeah. as a society without the open letter? Absolutely. We have all gained so much um, from the passive aggressive um, 
gossipy, dragging other people's business into the public eye genre of the open letter. So first of Absolutely. all, big, big thank you to that. Yeah. Um, I feel, I feel kind of just better for it. Absolutely. Second of all, this, this gives me pause because it makes me question the character of one of my favorite all time musicians. Yeah. Because Eric he said, I clearly, w- he clearly like thinks a lot of himself. Well, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking yeah. about the blatant lie in like sentence number two. Oh, what was it? What did he the say? The one where he says, I would have sent this letter regardless of who was playing. Yeah, uh, no, that's, that's not true false. at all. Yeah, that's, that's 100% totally false. false. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, I feel confident in saying this. If I was a betting man, I would put a lot of money on that's not true. Yeah, um, I think Bovada actually has a line on that, you know, so you, you could put money on it. But uh, yeah, it's not like he had this letter like in his desk drawer ready to go, regardless of, you know, if the Rams won or the Saints won. That's That's not a true statement. Yeah, so that 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 bothers me significantly because I I would like to respect this man. Uh, the other thing that bothers me is that um, it's just very whiny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when, when I yes. read that, I was just like, boo-hoo. You right. know, I it, take to Twitter during the game, gripe and moan. Like literally everybody right. on Twitter was was this just outraged by that lack right. that lack find the right call. meme for it you know whatever yeah. god bless you you know but, as a vikings fan who yeah. was summarily screwed out of a super bowl appearance by <laughs> the cheating saints i i took to twitter on the opposite side essentially to passive aggressively gloat yeah but uh because because i'm not going to forget that saints fans and and uh i would just like to say that karma is a witch and she's yep. coming for you. Oh, oh, no, wait. She came for you last weekend. Um, That's right. That's but, right. but yeah, everybody was mad about it. So this this letter saying this was just, it was just so whiny. Like, yeah, just spew it out on social media where the medium lasts 18 seconds and then and then you move on. That's that's how you do things in sports. That's, yeah, that's how you deal with stuff in, in today's environment, for sure. Yeah, especially things that are not, you know, I mean, shoot, people deal with politics that way. People deal with human lives that way. Certainly, we can, we can, uh, we can deal with sports that way. Uh, Absolutely. I think the thing that, that was the funniest to me, though, was the, the thing that I think Harry thought it was a threat to say, I will not be watching a game until this is rectified. Yeah. Who's gonna know? This is this is like announcing your your social media sabbatical. <laughs> exactly. Like nobody's gonna miss you, <clears throat> yeah, Harry. Nobody knows what you're watching on your TV. Dude, not what do only you think, that, I don't think anybody cares. What do you think Harry Connick is gonna watch in place of the Super Bowl? Like that that whole Sunday afternoon when he knows like everybody in New Orleans is throwing an awesome party and and he's he's now morally chained to this like idea that he's not going to be watching the Super Bowl. What do you, what do you think? What do you think Harry Connick Jr. plays on his television when he's not watching, you know, the NFL? I bet he watches the show, uh, the property brothers from HGTV <laughs> because they look exactly like him. Dude, they do. It, they're like, they're like knockoff, not quite as awesome. Harry Connick Jr. You're so right about that. I was, I was at the gym and that was on because I go to the YMCA, which is most of the people who exercise there are like 40 to 70 year old women, I think. Dude, that's um, good. That's at least good, in the hours good. that I go. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 
so HGTV is prominently featured uh, <laughs> on the televisions, which is funny at a gym. But I, I was really on, funny. and I was like, oh, Harry Connick Jr. has a TV show. Wait, there's two of him. Yeah, What's going yeah. on here? And then I realized it's not him. It's two guys who wish they could be him. Dude, he but, should get a royalty every time those guys are on TV. Seriously. Because like, yeah, they seriously. just copied his aesthetic. Would they know. be fa- like? Would they be super famous uh, if if they looked? I don't know, like Benedict Cumberbatch or something. Like they just <laughs> instead they look like Harry Connick Jr. So they they can pull it off. Yeah. But yes, that's my prediction on what he would watch instead. Is just reruns of of the Property Brothers buying and selling. Dude, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I I don't know, man. What if he what if he slips up and like you know accidentally you know stumbles into a couple of minutes of the Super Bowl? I feel well, like here's, it's going to be a real temptation for him. Here's his out clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can watch the Super Bowl and say, "I'm I'm just here for the commercials." There you go. I'm just here for the commercials, guys, there and the halftime show. Who's playing it this year? Is it? I don't know. It's some generic bunch of white dudes who sing bad pop. I think. Oh, yeah, it's Maroon Five oh, or Adam yeah. Levine or something. Dude, there like you go. That. Yeah, nothing dangerous. Nothing. Nothing potentially yeah. scandalous. No. Um, there hasn't been anything scandalous at the Super Bowl in like 20 years, and they're still scared of it. Like the yeah. Janet Jackson thing has has just forever terrified them. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Piper, does it, should I be ashamed of the fact that I like Maroon 5 a little bit? Like, is that is that an embarrassment? I There there are very few bands that people should be ashamed of liking. I don't think that's yeah. one of them. I think, I mean, they're they're just boring to me. But Dude, they are boring. No, they're I mean, definitely like, boring. I think I feel that like about most pop music, but there's a reason it's pop music, and it's because it's super catchy, and, and it like, yeah. people like to... People like to enjoy catchy things. It's like it's like ear candy, dude. So the band that played halftime at the national championship was um, Imagine Dragons. I feel Ugh. like they're really boring. Yes. I was I was just like, this is just a bunch of dads. Like, yeah, it's it's you, a bunch of dads who's like whose pants shrink in the wash. Exactly. And so These are a bunch of dads short. in like wearing like baby gap pants. You know, like this is this is bad news. And like for some reason, Little Wayne was a part of it. Did you did you catch that? I and did. I'm like, he was I'm like, the best this is... part of it, both aesthetically and performance. <laughs> exactly. Wise. I'm like, this is the oddest pairing in, in you know, halftime music history. But uh, yeah, I would have been happy with. Yeah, it, that's the maybe the oddest pairing since Elton John and Eminem. Although maybe true. that one made sense. I don't know. That's true. That's true. Piper, let's stay in the in the music realm. And I just I want to run a couple of observations by you that I had during uh, championship weekends. So here were the national anthem singers. For the two games. And my question to you is, is this the best we could do? Um, game one, New Orleans, hometown of Harry Connick Jr. And and see, for me, Pipe, I feel like Harry Connick Jr. should just sing every national anthem for every event in New Orleans. And it should be a yeah, it should be a standing thing. There there are nine thousand like world class musicians, musicians exactly who just like who play on street corners in yeah. in the French Quarter like literally dude. just go grab a dude with a trumpet and That's be like right. play the national anthem you could swing a cat in any direction and hit a world class musician in that town and and you've got Harry Connick Jr on speed dial they, the city of New Orleans should just pay him like a million dollars and just say we've got you on retainer to to potentially do the national anthem for every every event but here's who they got piper they got Jimmy Buffett. Um, and and I, I could say a lot here, but I want to ask, did you see the performance? Did you see his national anthem? I did not. I missed the national anthems because uh, because they're <laughs> the national anthems. And uh, yeah. if I had seen it was Jimmy Buffett, I would have used that time to conveniently go grab a beverage or take a leak or anything besides watch Anything Jimmy besides Buffett. listen to Jimmy Buffett. So Jimmy Buffett, 
His his performance, it sounded like your sort of roomy-eyed, slightly inebriated uncle. Like somebody just handed him a mic and, and said, sing the national anthem. And he gets through it, right? So on one level, you're you're proud of your roomy so drunken. You just described retirement party karaoke. Dude, it's retirement party karaoke level singing. Where on one level you're like, I'm really, I'm really proud of you for getting through that. Like, way to not butcher any of the lyrics. But on another level, you're like, is this the best we could do for a pre-championship game national anthem? And uh I gotta tell you, man, it was really, really bad. And I'm not a Jimmy Buffett fan. Like that genre of music, which I I loosely call like I'm just relaxing with my beer music. I hate. And Jimmy Buffett is sort of the he, he's sort of the like archetypal guy in that genre. Um, so yeah, you didn't miss anything in I, uh, in I missing. I don't understand like the, the whole ethos of Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Is lost on me. It's lost not, on me as well. I Are realize we the I'm, not the target, I'm not the target demographic, certainly, but mm-hmm. but usually I can understand the connection between fans and music. Say, take Maroon yeah. Five. I don't like yeah. them. I understand why people like them. Yeah, that's even true of like Florida Georgia Line. I yeah. think that they might be the worst band right. playing today. It's moronic, but you can see why like but, morons yeah, like, like it. I, I live in an area where there's a lot of jacked up pickup trucks and Confederate yeah. flags and things. And so I'm like, oh, I get it. I yeah. get the appeal of those jokers. I don't understand Jimmy Buffett at all. Yeah. No, I'm 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 with you. It just seems like noise to me. Like 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 background drinking noise, I guess. Uh but people people are like slavishly devoted to this guy. Yeah, they call um, themselves like parrot heads and parrot things. heads, man. They go they go to where he's doing shows. I envision a bunch of just old people getting smashed. Um, which yeah, I don't know, man. There's 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 not a lot there for me to to kind of grab onto. But um <clears throat> the afternoon game was Melissa Etheridge. Um you may remember Melissa Etheridge from her one hit in the nineties. I feel like she had a song called Come to My Window. Do you remember this song? By her, I do. Yeah, I'll be sort home soon. Is <clears throat> real sort of yeah. angsty and yeah, she, she really ang- belted it out with some feeling. Angst, yeah, angsty, folksy '90s kind of girl music, and and it was back when like folk music had an edge. I feel like folk music today is just like you know a wafy vegan hipster on an area rug playing a like a really quiet acoustic set. Um, but back in the '90s, it had a little bite to it, and and she was a. She was a practitioner of of this kind of angsty folk '90s music, um, but I feel like "Come Come to My Window" was the only. It was kind of the only real hit. So again, I'm left to wonder it, why. You know, why does she get a national anthem? She didn't do bad, but it it was slightly better than Jimmy Buffett, but nothing nothing to write home about. But like she doesn't. She's she strikes me as one of those musicians who is more sort of influential, critically acclaimed than commercially successful. Yeah, I'm sure like a, a thousand people will will write in and, and talk about what a great career Melissa Etheridge has had. Well, I mean, and, and, I, yeah, I just, respect. I've heard, I mean, other, sure. I've heard other musicians talk about her as somebody who was influenced, especially, you know, like younger female country artists, things like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. <clears throat> so I get that. But but it. For a nationally televised game, don't you just want the most commercially successful? Yeah, just sort of diva. Yeah, I feel like you're swinging for the fences in that moment. I mean, you know? like I, I realize 
like like the, the Carrie Underwoods of the world or the Adele's of the world. Sure. I'm like, just throw all the money at them and just be like, you guys go sing it because you have the biggest voices. Everybody knows who you are. Nobody dislikes you. Dude, it begs uh, the question. Nobody, nobody actually likes this song anyway. We just respect this song. So just yeah. go knock it out. Who books the national anthem singer? Is it the team? Is it the venue? Is it like the network? That's I wonder if question. somebody's trying to save money. You know, somebody's saving a little money in these scenarios. Um, uh, it has to be cost savings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, w- it would have to be. Definitely. Granted, Carrie Underwood wasn't available because apparently she just had a baby this past week. So uh, yeah. it would have been a little tough for her both to fly and to sing in uh, inclement weather conditions. But Dude, so let me let me lay a scenario on you. Um Let's let's walk this out a decade. Um, you and I are even more wealthy and famous than we are now because this show has taken off. It's had a rocket ship trajectory, and we're very, very rich in a decade. And you and I buy the Titans. Um, we redesign the uniform. We rename the team. Um, oh, that needs to be a future episode. Yeah, absolutely. Re- we can, rebranding and renaming the Titans. Like, rebranding just, just the envisioning Titans. what it would be. Absolutely. That needs to be a standalone app. We need to do that soon because I've, that's been on my mind lately. But uh, so we're rich and famous in a decade. We buy the Titans and we can book any Christian singer to sing the national anthem for um, the AFC championship game, which we will be in um, because we've we've impeccably you know reimagined the roster. Who, who are we booking? Ten. Oh, man. Hopefully Christian music changes dramatically in the next 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, the only the only name that comes to mind that I feel any real peace in my soul about is Mac Powell, the third day guy. Okay, interesting. But, Talk like, about he, that. He just, first of all, he feels Nashville-y. He's very Southern rock. I think he's, he's very Nashville-y. He's from Georgia, but uh, yeah. he has sounded the exact same for 30 years. I feel like he's got kind of a fake Eddie Vedder timber to his That's voice, exactly which I like. That's exactly what he is. Yes, yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, he he was he was like so. You had Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. and then you had Creed, which was like a, a faux <laughs> Eddie Vedder sound, and then yeah. Third Day was like the Christian version of that with a Southern rock twist. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I just compared him to Creed, which may undermine my choice of him. But that's okay. That, I think that's where I would go. I, I like it. I like it. I'm going traditional, Piper. I'm going even more traditional. I'm going Keith and Kristen Getty. Um, I feel like. <laughs> Do we get the full Irish band, though? I want the, I want the Irish band. There's I want something both ironic Gettys. about an Irish band playing the national anthem for the United States of America. But I'm okay with it, though. I'm okay. okay with it. Everybody loves the Irish. That's the thing. Um, so I feel like we, we, we bring in Keith and Kristen Getty. They're a little bit older, a little bit, a little bit more wizened and seasoned by then. Um, one of my favorite celebrity like um, upstaging moments involves the Gettys. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story on the air, but this was this was right when like KDY's fame moment was starting to pop, and we were at a conference. We were speaking at a conference that the Gettys were doing the music at, and um, KDY wanted to have a green room moment with Keith and Kristen Getty, and he he went up to them to like. Um, <clears throat> to shake hands or make a connection, and they they like they walked right by him. Um, it was a great moment, but uh, maybe maybe <laughs> for, we could, for you, 
for for me yeah exactly maybe we could replicate that moment at uh on on the field at the afc championship and they're nashville residents so like they can come in and sing and then like drive home and take care of their 14 kids or however many they have now dude that's right it'd be an easy gig for them just a stone's throw from where they live so um gettys if you're listening and i know you are um you know keep keep your calendar free 10 years from now for when piper and i own the titans and we book you um pipe anything else that you would like to talk about vis-a-vis the Patriots, the Super Bowl, um, whether or not you're excited about it, who you're excited about watching. Um, I, I find that as I get older, I care less and less about the Super Bowl. Um, and I really don't care about it one way or the other. But I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I have far fewer feelings about the Super Bowl than I used to. I mm. mean, that's true about most most sporting events. But yeah, I, I want to milk this Brady Belichick dynasty <laughs> for all it is worth. Yeah, absolutely. I know that it is it is apparently evil and inappropriate to have good feelings towards them of any kind. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing I want to talk about. Like I feel like Christians hate the Patriots. Um but I love the Patriots. I'm fascinated by Belichick and Brady and the whole thing. But I feel like people in our tribe especially are just like, oh, they're a bunch of cheaters. They're the worst. I mean, I I just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think the only reason people hate them is because they're persistently good. Yeah. And and they're and they're like obnoxiously good. Even what they did to the Chiefs was just Yeah. You know, a it, it was a, it was a it was a close game score wise, mm-hmm. you know, one overtime, et cetera. But like it's just so Brady-esque the yep. way that they won that. And the players who scored and like Kyle Van Noy looks like some sort of space yeah. alien defensive end who just all of a sudden takes over the game. Like that's yeah. That's Kyle Van Noy the- cast off of the Detroit Lions. So the the Lions had a moment in which they were like, We no longer want Kyle Van Noy. He sucks. And then he becomes you know, he goes to the Pats and he turns into Lawrence Taylor in the playoffs. It's great. Listen, he, he turns into Lawrence Taylor for like a game because yeah. he won't he won't be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, because that's the way the Patriots are like they're like Cord- Cordero yep. Patterson's going to be the Super Bowl MVP or something like that. I mean, it's and just, he hasn't had a carry in eight weeks. You know? Yeah, he's going to get like it's going to be like one reception for 47 yards and a touchdown, two carries for 50 yards and two first downs and a punt return touchdown or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's the Patriots. Yep. And then, yep. you know, Brady is the always reliable hand, especially with the game on the line. And yeah. and they are better now than they were 17 weeks ago. Always, Dude, I know. Always better at the end of the year. And, yep. and here's the thing. I, I don't understand why people hate them for being good. I can understand mm-hmm. why you would hate them if you're a Chiefs fan sure. or a Jets fan or a Dolphins fan or a Bills fan or whatever. Yep. But, like, watching history is fun. Yeah. No, I agree. Watching watching people who are great at what they do is fun too. And you know, as much respect as I have for Andy Reid, he's a he's a great coach in the league. Like he was he was outcoached. And like to me, the most fascinating about this iteration of the Pats is that if you were to turn on a Pats game the the year before this, you would see Brady and the gun, the Pats in five wides, and them just doing like nickel and dime surgery all the way down the field. Um, You turn on the Pats this year, you know, they're in two and three tight end sets. They've got James Devlin in and they're playing like smash mouth bully ball. And And, until they throw like a, 
a circle route to Devlin for 30 yards down the left sideline. I mean, dude, right. Is Devlin's running like wheel stuff. routes. I mean, is a 250 pound fullback. He's, he's like running wheels. It, to me, it's the most interesting, like capitalizing on a moment coaching thing imaginable in that while the rest of the league has slimmed down and gotten more lateral and, you know, they've, they've built linebackers <laughs> who can run. Belichick has said, all right, we're going to we're going to come right at you. Like we're going to hit you in your face and and knock you backward and Rex Burkhead is going to be like the star of our our ground game. And uh you know, it's it's fascinating. Like to me, it's Belichick will take whatever you give him. And what's and, crazy is I if you remember last offseason, so two things happened. One, their starting left tackle signed with the Giants. So they yeah. lost their starting left tackle. Yeah. They drafted a guy top and he was their first round pick, Isaiah Wynn, I think his name was, yep. out of Georgia, who was supposed to be the new left tackle. Yep. Really, really good college offensive lineman. Yep. So they they lose left tackle, they draft Wynn. Wynn blows out his knee and is yep. gone for the year. I think might have been in the preseason, if not, it was real early in the year. So early, yeah. Super and they early. still are just a road grading team. Exactly. And yeah. it, it just doesn't make any sense, except that it absolutely makes sense. It totally does. And and Belichick being the the master talent evaluator that he is, he doesn't chase, you know, he doesn't throw money at a Nate Solder who he knows is a, you know, not a great left tackle. You know, Nate Solder was a beneficiary of how quickly the ball was coming out of Brady's hands in the last four or five years. Nate Solder is the same guy as Riley Reef, who's the Vikings left tackle, who got a ton of money because left tackles are hard to find. That's right. Period. Like if, yep. if you can if you can be approximately average yep. and a left tackle, you're going to make just dump trucks full of cash. That's right. Riley Reef and other Lions cast off. So the Lions are like the farm system to the rest of the league. In the like, they bring guys in. They they give them a few years to get acclimated to the pro game, and then uh, and then they go elsewhere and excel. So um, tip of the cap for. Detroit doing that for the rest of the league. But yeah, I, uh, to me, you know, watching the new sort of wonderkind coach versus the old, the old standard is going to be kind of an interesting storyline, but um, I have, I I mean, would you be at all surprised if, if the Patriots beat them like 34 to 17? Nope. I mean, I will not be the least surprised. Just stomp them. I won't be surprised if it's not even close. You know what I mean? I, I could see the Pats kind of jumping out to a 14-point lead and just kind of hanging on to it, and it's the game's really not even close. Um, not, not, not close in the sense of the Rams are never really in it. Um, I could see that. I, I mean, Brady has played in, this is what, like his ninth Super Bowl? Um, I don't know. You know, Jared Goff's barely played nine games, you know, and Brady's played in, in nine Super Bowls already. I just think it's, it's going to be overwhelming for golf no disrespect to him but well and and the rams have have basically they kind of snuck into the super bowl sure like they I mean they yep. were a very good regular season team but they didn't finish yep. the season exceptionally strongly yep yep their playoff games were not dominant and they should have lost yep. at least one of them um wait a minute did they play the bears were they mm, the i don't think so who beat the bear the eagles beat the bears. eagles beat the bears that's right i was yeah. trying to remember because yeah. i mean like but but this, with the Saints game, definitely there was a they shouldn't they the Saints should have beat them by two touchdowns. Yep, which yep. is part of the reason why being angry about the no call is a little bit unjustified. 
yeah. because if the team had played any sort of a decent game, they they would have been running the clock out instead of trying to score to win. Exactly. Um, exactly. But yeah, I just I mean the Rams have, have tripped and fallen and, and the Patriots have only gotten stronger. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, Gronkowski lives. Yeah. You know? Anybody- what do you know? Gronkowski still lives. And that last drive by the Pats was, to me, indicative of who Brady trusts. Um, because he had tried to spread the ball around to Cordero Patterson and Philip Dorsett and some of these other guys to no avail, you know, and, and you know, they were dropping balls and not coming through. And that last, that last drive, it was always third and 10, and it was always Gronk or Edelman on third and 10. Yeah, um, and then and then they've got uh, uh, what's the running back's name? James James White. James White. I mean, J- yeah, he's he's yeah. like there. He's kind of the third receiver at this point. Yep, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's dude. I'll give you a dark horse Rams thing that I noticed though in the NFC Championship. Indomitian Sue decided to play finally, and he decided to care. And the Sue Donald combination on the interior of that Rams defensive line was almost unblockable. Like it was what they mm-hmm. envisioned when they signed Indomitian Sue. And, you know, he's a guy who kind of runs hot and cold in terms of caring. Um, but he cared in the NFC championship game and it really showed like those guys were, they were wrecking the game for new Orleans, uh, a lot of that game. So I think that could be, it'll be interesting to see how Belichick, you know, handles that. But um, again, yeah, you're not seeing I, you're, if the Rams seeing, win, if the Rams win, it's probably because Aaron Donald gets the MVP. Yeah, which would be a cool thing to see. That um, would be fun. It'd be really cool to see a defensive tackle get the MVP for sure. But Piper, we got a couple minutes left. Um, let's talk some NBA. Uh, you and I have been watching a lot of NBA lately. I watched a lot on uh, on Martin Luther King Day in particular, and I was I was struck in an impressive way by how the NBA continues to handle social issues well. Um, and they're, they're kind of the gold standard in terms of how leagues handle this stuff in that, you know, before Wait, so you're saying, you're saying the NFL is somewhat pathetic and clumsy at all things clumsy social? and ham-fisted in, in such scenarios. They are, um, you know, so I, I watched, I had a friend over and, and we were both off for the day. So we, we just kind of settled in and watched a lot of NBA. And it occurred to me that the, the sort of soft focus bits that they did, you know, before the game, they were unassailable, you know, um, in that they involved NBA stars kind of interacting with kids about social issues. And, you know, it was really, it was really pretty well done. I thought, um, although I'm sure somebody could shoot holes in that. Um, so I, I was impressed with that. And I wondered if, if you caught any of that coverage and, and what you thought about it. I didn't this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I have in the past and yeah, they just, the the NBA seems to have a really good sense of it, it doesn't feel agenda driven. It really feels sort of uh, story driven, respectful yeah. of history, kind of eye opening. It feels very much more sort of in partnership with. So yeah. it's, it, it's very positive. It's very upbeat. It doesn't, but not in sort of a happy clap. You look how good everything is because that's yeah. not the that does that's not how MLK Day works because the man yeah. was assassinated. Um, yeah, but they, yeah, they just do it really well, yeah. and it seems to be the case for for most sorts of social issues. Yeah, dude. Also, I was reminded of how cool looking Mike Conley Jr. is. Have you seen him lately? <laughs> yeah, that's a super cool looking black guy. I mean, when I, I yeah, I, I've been watching him because I have just deep hopes and dreams that either he or Marcus All ends up on the Timberwolves. I tell you, man. Uh, heading into this trade deadline. I don't think it's going to happen. But That needs boy, to happen. Like, the Grizzlies need to do an absolute 
tear down. I know, um, I really, really want bad. Andrew Wiggins to go the other direction. That's what I want. Yeah, dude, Conley would be interesting on a on a couple of teams, but but yeah, the T Wolves would definitely be one. Would they would they be ready to absorb that huge contract? Well, if they got rid of Wiggins, because Wiggins is on a max deal, so yeah. they it, they would be a money swap. So it would be a, it would give Memphis no financial relief. But at the same time, like who's signing in Memphis anyway? Dude, nobody. Um, That's the thing. Free not agents get... go to like four cities. They either stay where That's they right. are, or they go to L.A., New York, Miami, maybe Houston. Which is um, a good argument for trading for Conley. So if you're like, mm-hmm. if you're Minnesota or you're the Pacers, you're not getting any elite free agents. So you know you you've got to trade for these guys. You know you got to make a deal for them. Um, so yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see him move. I think you know the Grizzlies are still operating under this misconception that they can be a playoff team, but. I, mean, I don't who think, cares. I mean, I, I think you know? I just saw a report a couple days ago that that after their kind of recent struggles, they've shifted to we're going to listen to offers for Conley and Gasol, which is like two go. years too late, but still, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely, definitely for Gasol it is. Um, although he seemed like in that MLK Day game, I don't know if you watched it. It was Grizzlies. Um, it, it was yeah, Grizzlies Pelicans. Which I've got something to say about the Pelicans uniform on that game too, but um, Gasol seemed to be kind of showcasing himself. You know, he started shooting threes again, and it seemed like he was he was trying to put on a little bit of a show, maybe to um, you know work his way out of Memphis. But uh, yeah, but the Pelicans uniform pipe, um, it was like a somewhat rainbow themed deal, which it it looked like a Denver Nuggets uniform from the eighties. Yes, and, I saw those, and I thought it was a retro Nuggets, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's Anthony Davis. Why yeah, wait a minute, that's the Pelicans, Rangers? dude. So that that should be that should be an off limits thing. Like, you should not be able to like, you know, co op the aesthetic of some other NBA team's retro look for your alternate uniform. I just what, I, I take I, umbrage with that. I think that's true. I think alternate uniforms are the standard uniforms now. Like mm-hmm. every game is an alternate uniform. And so, I mean, I, I was watching one game and it was like some team wearing, you know, powder blue versus another team wearing gray. Dude, it was the like, Sacramento powder blue, which is dope. But it I wasn't love that because game. that's a, they're supposed to have that. It was like yeah. Portland or somebody. And I'm like, no, no. You, you guys are black and red. Yeah. You don't get to do powder blue. That's that's not OK. Exactly. Like, there needs to be a rhyme and a reason. So, like. You know the the city uniforms that they've done. So yeah. Minnesota has the purple yeah. Prince theme, and Miami has the Miami Vice ones, and Brooklyn has theirs with like the the Biggie sweater trim, which yeah. is yeah. maybe my favorite subtle uniform thing. Of the That's NBA a really this year. cool thing. Yeah, really, really those, cool. Thing. Those are all fantastic because they're like, what is unique about us? Yep, that goes in. This, otherwise, otherwise, it's just like, what are colors we like? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's not how uniforms work. No, I agree. the co- The whole color palette should not be in play when you're you know, designing your alternate uni. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's the one thing the NBA is is kind of bungling right now. But speaking of the NBA, uh, Boogie Cousins is back in it, and he's back on the floor. I happened to watch his uh, – I caught most of his first game back, and um, I was impressed, man. Like, I was impressed on the level of just how he changed the mood on the Warriors because I, mm-hmm. I think as a team they had just gotten bored. And the ultimate, like – antidote to boredom is boogie cousins and the antidote can <laughs> that's go true. that's true for media that's true for opponents yeah, so that's true. true for the team itself and it could go either way man it could it could go really bad it could go off the rails like kind of in any moment but it looked to me like a really good thing like a really good catalyst and he brings them a lot have you watched him 
uh, as a warrior? I have not whole games, but quarters here and there. And the other thing I've noticed is, I mean, you, you see how Clay Thompson has done since he's come back is all of a sudden they have like the biggest screener who's yeah. also a pretty good passer in the NBA. Yep. And, and so the shots that the other guys are getting are remarkable, just so yep. much easier for those guys. Um, yeah, I, I meant to talk to you on a, a previous episode about the NBA. Cause I was going to ask you, um, you know, it feels like other teams have a chance this year. The, the, yeah. the border seems like, you know, they're kind of coming apart at the seams yeah. early in the season. They're screaming at each other. Yeah. Uh, there's boredom. There's just sort of dissatisfaction. Uh, and then Boogie comes back and all of a sudden that whole question seems pretty asinine. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, we're back to nobody having a chance for sure. Which um, again, I, it, it this, the same thing applies to them as it does to the Patriots in that, uh, I love watching history made in sports, and this yeah. team—it feels a little soulless because it feels mercenary. Whereas the Patriots yeah. have been sustained excellence, yep. but even so, like they're just unbelievably good. They really are. They are—they're good, and I think Steve Kerr has done a good job of like keeping them engaged and interested and in working together. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think nobody would have no, nobody would have guessed that, like all those egos could have coexisted for as long as they have. And, you know, as a, as a coach in the NBA, you have to be the ultimate like psychologist and glue guy to kind of keep everybody in the room together. And and he's done yeah. um, a really good job of it. Where, where do you think Kevin Durant ends up next year and Boogie mm. Cousins? Cause both of them are going to be free agents. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they're both going to want their own teams. So, I think Some, Boogie Boogie will want to sign somewhere where there's already a star or two. I mean, yeah. like I could see him staying. I don't know if they can pull it off financially, but yeah. I could see him staying. Yeah, I feel like he's smart enough to realize maybe that that that's that's the best situation for him. Well, and and he's he's never played in the playoffs. Yeah, because that's right. he the Pelicans made it last year, but he was injured. Yeah. And so he, I don't think he's ever played in the playoffs. And so I think if he gets playoff at playoff taste, yeah, I don't think he's going to want to go to like, you know, go sign in, I don't know, Indiana or something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Dude, Durant, I think is going to go, he's going to go to some big market where he can be the show, but that where he doesn't have to share the spotlight with anybody else. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who specifically that'll be, but. Um, like I don't see him going to the Lakers. Like he doesn't want to do a LeBron thing. I don't think. Um, now, it's, it sounds crazy. It seems like a bunch of guys don't want to play with LeBron now. Yeah. No, I know, man. I mean, because nobody, a, nobody wants to take a back seat, and he is the show for as long as he's there. Which I absolutely. Get. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it seems like Durant to New York is the one that everybody's talking about. Um, yeah. Dude, Durant and Porzingis together is a really interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Um, and they, they have, they have a couple interesting young guys, not stars, yeah. but at least contributors. I would love to see Durant in Brooklyn. Yeah. That was the other one. I, I thought Brooklyn made a lot of sense for Durant. Um, you know, great. They got a great arena, great, you know, great location. Um, no stars really. And yeah. They, they don't have the history, but they have like, that has potential to be a premier NBA market with the right, the, I mean, I think all the marketing is in place. Absolutely. They, they need to win and they need, you know, one or two sort of seminal stars. And they've yep. never had that. They tried it with the Paul Pierce yep. uh, KG thing, but they were old and not quite good enough. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're close, though. 
They are. They're very close. And yeah, that could be that could be really fun, actually. Um, it'd be fun to, you know, to to see if Durant could move the needle there. Um, but yeah, pipe. Um, our, our time is drawing to a close, but I want to know what you've been reading lately. Like what good sports reads have you have you been into? So I, I just finished a book a couple of days ago. Uh, it's it's sort of a speaking of Kevin Durant. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's about Oklahoma City. So it's like a pseudo basketball story, but also uh-huh. a history of Oklahoma City. Interesting. Um, which which sounds way less interesting than it actually was. Um, yeah. So I heard an interview with the author, a guy named Sam Anderson, on mm-hmm. uh, maybe Zach Lowe's podcast. I can't remember. It's a really mm-hmm. really interesting interview. Um, yeah. But he he does this thing where he. He gives the history, like the founding of Oklahoma City, which has one of the most bonkers origin stories of any city I've ever heard of. Um, wow. It was basically, it was a, it was a, it was a government plan. They, mm-hmm. they called it the land rush. So okay. they they taped off this several hundred square mile thing, and people just lined up on the outside. Yeah. And then at noon on a specific day, it was just like a madhouse race to stake claims. Wow for land. And then that's how Oklahoma city came about. That's the very short version. So he alternates between, between modern history kind of built around the thunder Mm -hmm. and, and the origin history tracing up to today, but it's got all sorts of crazy, crazy vignettes about like a celebrity meteorologist and the crazy tornado weather and the Oklahoma city bombing. Um, and so the book is called boomtown. Okay. Uh, by Sam Anderson. Nice. And it's I listen to it on audiobook uh and he reads it which he does a great job. So Boomtown and it it's it's is really it's a really cool book of just sort of a bunch of origin stories and a bunch of kind of this really weird quirky city that kind of shouldn't exist but keeps trying to be world class at the same time. Yeah, for sure, man. Totally. Totally. Pipe, I want to talk about uh this is related only because it has to do with books, but I want to talk about the new Leaf Inger on our other podcast. Yes. Um, I'm almost done with it, and, uh, and I love it. Um, and I, I, I bet you loved it, too. So, uh, yeah, and I think Ron read it, too. So um, that's something we should talk about on our Yes, on our we absolutely show. Should. We should. Yes, we should have a, a, a Virgil Wander love fest. Dude, we should. We, we could almost do a whole app on that. I could, I, could, whole, I could easily do a whole app on that. Yeah, we could do a whole app on the kind of the whole Leafinger library if we wanted to. But uh, yeah, sports book wise, I'm reading a bunch of Bill James abstracts, man. I'm going deep dive into Bill James. So um, getting pumped for baseball, getting pumped for pitchers and catchers, getting pumped for the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners had a big teardown. They had a big, uh, a big trade fest in the offseason and um, a bunch of young talent in the organization now. They, they really bolstered their... Um, you know, their prospect list, which didn't look great last year, but, but does look great now. Um, so I'm getting excited about that and getting excited about, um, just this Bill James analytics stuff, which I had, um, heard a ton about and been conversant in and I read Moneyball and all that stuff, but, um, I'd never read a lot of James himself and, uh, it's fun, man. He's got a fun little like authorial persona. Um, that's kind of perfect for what he was doing. Um, yeah, he's he's very sort of like snarky counterculture, yeah, or like counter counter big big business, big yeah, and and like big dumb. Yeah, he, he he's kind of like the the dorky smart guy at your office that you like, you know, the the, the guy right. at the meeting who's he's making the clever comments, but he's not the cool looking guy, so you don't hate him for it. Um, 
<laughs> that's Bill <laughs> yes. James in a nutshell. Man, speaking um, of baseball, rumor came out this year that the Twins are sort of like they might be the sleeper team for the yet unsigned Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Which I think is com- I think it's complete garbage. It's yeah, not yeah. going to happen. But I have to say that because deep down, I, I so want it to happen. I know where you're at. Man, you're tortured. You know, there's just a lot of there's a lot of torment with you with expectations suck. Expectations are the worst, which is why, again, we've said it, you know, ad nauseum on this program during the fall, like signing Kirk Cousins was the worst on a lot of levels. But but the biggest level is that it created expectations. You know, it created this sense of, oh, my gosh, now we've got to do this. And um yeah, that's hard, man. So my on the my plus side, out to you. no Vikings fan who doesn't have their head buried in the snowdrifts will not have expectations next year. We Dude, will all go in and go. If we win nine games, it'll be a success. Absolutely, your team can fly under the radar next year. You can sneak up on people again. It could actually be a great scenario. Um, but in saying that, I'm rebuilding expectations. I know. So I need stop to stop. It. Stop it, yeah, Ted. I, I'm going to stop. Uh, but Piper, we've done what we always do on this on this Happy Rant Sports program, and that we've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. Uh, I want to say to potential sponsors, uh, purveyors of sports goods or teams or whatever, we are we are looking for sponsorships for this program specifically. So, uh, if you want to be a part of the rocket ship of fame that is the Happy Rant Sports podcast, uh, hit us up, reach out to us. We will shill for your sports related product or your team, and we will do it hap- happily. Um, so, Piper, we have, uh, we have wandered to and fro. And until next time, Manny Machado. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.